Before COVID-19 swept the world, I, Heidi, had the immense pleasure to interview a very talented actress, singer, and author, Jana LaPelle, about her book, Under the Makeup, It's Me. We had intended for this part of our interview to be part one and to follow up with part two at a later date. Unfortunately, we haven't had that opportunity because of social distancing. However, I still hope that you, our listeners, enjoy listening in to our discussion. Without further ado, here's my interview with Jana. Welcome to Unstoppable Grace. I'm Heidi. I'm Danielle. I'm Laura. And together we've watched God work through our struggles, heartbreaks, setbacks, and even our most shameful failures to bring beauty from brokenness. In this podcast, we bring to you those stories, along with truths from the Bible, trusting that He can use them to meet you where you're at, shine hope, and speak freedom into your life. On our own, we are so far from great, but by His grace, we are unstoppable. So Jana LaPelle and I are currently recording her book, Under the Makeup, It's Me, into an audio version, an audio book. And as we're recording, I have read this book before and so many, so many of the pages have just like jumped out at me. I have so many pages highlighted and I have sticky notes all over the place. And one thing that we actually just finished recording is, uh, Jana, do you want to read it? It's right at the end of page 20. From to this day. Yes. Um, to this day, I do not want to look at one of those fan back metal lawn chairs. They're back in style again. When I spot one in a store display, especially an orange one, I hear another voice in my head reminding me to take every thought captive to Jesus Christ. That's Second Corinthians 10, 5 in the NIV version. I know I must also put on the armor of God daily. Because we are living in enemy territory, and the troops are on patrol. See Ephesians six thirteen to 17 in the Living Bible. Yeah, and I have that highlighted. And it's, it's funny because we've talked to Danielle, and Laura and I have talked about that verse. And I think it's so amazing that it's a verse that's spoken to you. It really should speak to all of us. Mm-hmm. So... I don't know. What do you, what are your thoughts on when you wrote that and Well, that little snippet is mm-hmm. is in the book because of of a, a sexual abuse event yeah. in my life that was pretty major. And those memories don't go away sometimes. Right. I mean, they they'll flash back at the like I said, if I saw an orange metal fan-backed lawn chair, that thought could come back to me. But I know that I've gone on way past that in my life. Mm-hmm. Much healing has taken place. I only recall it for the sake of the book. Right. But I don't sit around thinking about that stuff because I know the antidote to those cell memories that are stuck in, in me is the Word of God. Mm-hmm. Um, when my late husband was passing away, he had a long nine-year cattle, uh, cancer battle. Right. And uh, he lived seven more years than any doctor thought was possible. Wow. And I woke up one morning. He was a teacher assistant at Strathcona High School. And he was on his way to school. I said, don't go. you got to hear this. I, I'm not a morning person, but I got a download that morning. Mm-hmm. And I wrote it on an envelope by the bed and I said to him, the word is the sword that becomes the scalpel that removes the cancer. Wow. But since 
then again, eventually he lost that battle in 2007 and he passed away. But he had a quality of life that was amazing. No doctor thought he could live that well that many years with fourth stage cancer. Well, you even wrote about in the book, like it was as if he didn't even have cancer. Yeah, it was like it, you guys knew he wa- he had cancer, but yeah. he didn't really have symptoms. Right. And But what I want to say is I've changed that, that word from the Lord right. to that the word is the sword that becomes the scalpel that removes the, and you fill in the blank. Mm, I like that. Whatever it is you're going through, mm-hmm. that removes the physical, the, the spiritual, the emotional pain, because we can't fight these battles by ourselves. No. And, and before we turned on the microphone, we were talking about the, taking every thought captive because even our thought life can be sinful mm-hmm. and d- direct us the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. Um, so t- I, when I pray, I pray that the Lord will forgive me daily for the sins of that day. And then I say, and for those sins I don't even recognize, Lord. Mm-hmm. And that's often in the thought, speaking, thinking, seeing, choices we make. Absolutely. And, and I, I tease everybody that I'm not an example. I'm a warning. <laughs> I, I say that to my two granddaughters and to all my young friends like you uh, that, that are much, um, you know, you have much more journey left than I do. I just turned 80 years old. I can't believe it. If you saw this woman, she does not look like she's 80. She looks like she's 65 or 60. Well, that's what I think I am. Yeah. And, and my husband now, I was remarried uh, in November 3rd of 2018, and I married a man 10 years younger than me. Mm-hmm. So he's just turned 70, and I turned 80. And I feel like I'm his age or younger. Yep. So that's God. I mean, there's no, no reason for that mm-hmm. <laughs> other than that also God used a part of my career as a professional clown, yeah. Christy Clown. We were Christy, Christy Clown and Friends, a musical theater clown troupe. Started in 1975 when I first moved to Edmonton from Chicago. I'd never been a clown before, but I had done children's theater. Mm-hmm. And my agent said, I need an, an act for Christmas. Be Chris, Christy the Christmas Clown. I said, well, how would I do that? <laughs> well, I didn't know, but God did. And he used that pure, lovely career of sitting with children from three to 12, Mm -hmm. mostly for anything from preschool to kindergarten to assemblies at schools, uh, community events, churches. I loved it. Yeah. And we created work for a lot of people. My daughter became our main face painter. Uh, The husband that passed away, his name was Jerry O. Dennis. His initials were G-O-D, a divine <laughs> I love appointment. That. But he became our balloon man. So through that clowning, though, God, I, I picked the name Christy because it was Christmas, mm-hmm. Christy the Christmas Clown. But I didn't know that Christ was in Christy. And that wholesome career got me away from all the stuff that was not pleasing to God. Yep. I, I On uh, page 22, I have, I didn't, it was too much to highlight, so I just put like a bracket around it and you talked about how the pastor told you that you needed to repent yes for your desire to be in showbiz and I just thought that was so interesting because as a believer myself as well as an actress and you know even Laura who is a believer and an actress both of us have had the same thing happen to us have you yes um I had uh someone very well-meaning and mm-hmm, a strong always. believer told me that, you know, I 
the only place that I like I couldn't I didn't have to give up acting, but only in church. And mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't want to tell Laura's story for her, but, you know, Jesus Christ, how did he minister to the people? He told stories. He was a storyteller. Like he was he. So I think I just I just found that really interesting that. Mm-hmm. And then and even though that it has so much temptation um, yep. in the arts, God still used that to save you from what the, the, the sin that you were living in and what you had experienced yep. to relive your childhood. God used your art. Well, that's exactly right. This The pastor and his wife that took me into the chapel, mm-hmm. uh, along with my other uh, classmates for the confirmation class in the Methodist Church in Forest City, Iowa, yep. was well-meaning. He saw me going to Africa and saving souls using my singing voice, because I was already known as a soloist mm-hmm. from the age of three. Yeah, And I know he meant well, but... Uh, when you bring me back to that page, page 22, yeah, I was, I was devastated to hear that. I mean, I said, how can I, I was so disappointed. I, I, I can't, I can't give up my dream for the preacher or even for Jesus, but Jesus used that dream. Yeah. He didn't make me give it up. He did redirect it. Mm-hmm. And it took a long time. I was 35 when I became a clown. Wow. Who would have thought that that's the way? You see, this is where my, where my title fits so well. Yeah. Under the makeup, it's me. I had to put on the white face and sit on the floor with little kids to find out who I really was to God mm-hmm. under that makeup. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. And then, of course, I was doing a, a, a video for Red Deer College on early childhood development. And we went out to classrooms. I went out as a solo speaker, just as myself brought along my clown suit, my wig, my makeup kit, and talked to the kids in the classrooms about how when you come to Red Deer College, to the Festival of the Arts, you will see me and my singer-dancer friends mm-hmm. singing a show, doing a show for the festival. And that that's who I am under the makeup. Well, that's where we got this title, because when we finished the festival and the kids went back to class... They didn't think that I was the same lady that they saw on stage dancing and singing in a clown suit, even yeah. though I told them. Mm-hmm. They just, you know, big birds of a bird with feathers. <laughs> it's not a man in a costume. So when I was editing that video for the teachers as feedback, uh, the title, Under the Makeup, It's Me, was what we used for the video. And mm-hmm. it just tattooed my brain. This is my book title. Mm-hmm. That was about 1984. And it took me till 2018 to get the book done over a five-year writing period, writing and crying buckets of tears, reliving it all, and then self-publishing it. How did you find rewriting everything? Because the beginning of your book, I mean, your book is raw and it's painful. It's a painful book to read. Um, But I think it's one that needs to be told. But in the beginning of your your book, you talk about the sexual abuse that you experienced. How was reliving all of that? And also even just reliving the just the pain all the pain that mm-hmm. you experienced through your life yeah because it it uh it evolved into marital dysfunction right i have the back cover talking about me being a modern day woman at the well mm-hmm. i went through four broken marriages before i married the guy with the god yeah. initials jerry uh, that was a 16 year wonderful marriage uh before the cancer took him out but prior to that the messed up mess of my life, I I seem to be a magnet for other for, for men who were as troubled and messed up mm-hmm. as I was. And what do you get when you put this mess with this mess? You get a bigger mess, right? 
And so I want to tell you, though, the, the happy ending is that I became friends with all of my exes. Now we're at the age where, you know, there's two exes that are still living in mm -hmm. the States. And I'm friends with them. One is my son's dad. And one is a guy that I, who worked in Canada as a drama professor at Dalhousie. Mm -hmm. And his ex-wife was my understudy in a musical theater production. I mean, that's how silly some of these marriages seem now. But he understands that we were both troubled people. Yeah. And sometimes you're just looking for somebody. Um, it was always like looking for love in all the wrong places. The old country tune come true. Mm -hmm. So I talk about all of these things. It's not only about the Me Too, which has been so big on social media. Right. Um, my situation was a Sunday school teacher, uncle by marriage. He was married to my mother's sister mm -hmm. and um, must have had many victims besides me. I could not speak for anybody but myself. Yeah. But this affected our whole family. Um, I still don't have a good relationship with my brother. He doesn't like that I talk about this. Mm -hmm. And at first, my two kids, my daughter from my fourth marriage and my son from my first marriage, didn't agree with me writing this book. Mm -hmm. And now, now that time has passed, they see the therapeutic value for me, the release, the freedom. Yeah. And it was through this book that I met my husband that I'm married to now. Yeah. He was my friend. He's from Guyana, so he's a gorgeous guy from <laughs> Guyana. And uh, he was my friend uh, in an exercise class in my senior building. Mm -hmm. And he read the book after helping me with the book launch. And he called me and said, Jana, I read your book. I laughed, I wept, and I prayed through every act, the six acts. It's yep. a playbill rather than table of contents. And he said, I fell in love with the woman at the well. And I said, what? Wow. But I was lonely. I was t a widow for 12 years. And mm -hmm. he had been alone after a divorce for 15. Yeah. And loneliness is tough. And you get older. It's lovely to have a companion to eat with and travel mm -hmm. with. And God heard my prayers. I said, Lord, I don't want anything that's not your idea. But if you've got a companion for me in my old age you got to tell me it's you. Mm -hmm. Well, one day the elevator opened, and I was getting on the elevator, and who was on that elevator by himself holding my Jerry's guitar because he was borrowing that guitar to take lessons. Okay. I said, it's you. He said, <laughs> yes, it's me. <laughs> and we didn't think anything of that at the yeah. moment, but now we look back and say, was that God saying yeah, this yeah. is the one. Mm -hmm. And it's not easy to readjust your life at mm -hmm. any age, but especially when you're set in your ways and you're seniors. But when he thinks it's a little too much work to be married, I say, would you rather be alone again? Mm. No. Mm -hmm. I went away for my birthday to my family and um, just, just a, a week or so away. And absence makes the heart grow fonder. When I got off the plane or got out of the airport, he said, I'm glad to have my wife back. <laughs> so healing isn't always instant. Right. You hear of people go to an altar call and they're zapped. They don't ever drink again. They don't ever take drugs or whatever. No, it's it was a long, long haul. Mm -hmm. Back to the God that I thought I ran away from when I was a kid. It, and it's... I think God calls us back over and over and over again. I don't think, you know, that story of the one sheep out of all hundred, that one sheep, or is it 99, that goes away and God goes after that one sheep. But I don't think that just happens one time for us mm -hmm. Christians. You know, we're constantly struggling. I think we fall so often. And I I, I think um, 
you're right. There are some people that instantaneously through mm-hmm. prayer or, or what have you um, are healed or turn from sin. But often I think it's just a continual turning back to Christ, turning but, back to Christ. And this is why that scripture is so comforting that says his mercies are new every morning. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. We need it every morning. And, you know, in my book, I talk about being born in Mercy Hospital in Burlington, yeah. <laughs> Iowa. And I needed that because I needed a lot of mercy in my life. Your book also dives a lot into um, struggle with lust. And I know you and I have talked quite a bit about how it has been difficult to get the Christian media to accept. Yes. um, Just publicizing your book or interviewing you or having anything Mm -hmm. to do with your story because it, it's, you know, it's, it's lustful, like, well, you know, Heidi, I said to, to several people, if I was a murderer, mm-hmm. I'd be, I think I'd be more likely to be invited to be a guest on some of these shows. Yeah. Uh, I, I worked in 10 years, 10 years of CKER radio, mm-hmm. interviewing lots of people with their, their testimony. And I love testimonies. They really, really, they grabbed me. Yeah. And it was Dale Evans Rogers. You're too young to remember Roy <laughs> Rogers and Dale Evans in the movies in the 50s. But Dale Evans testimony here in Edmonton Mm -hmm. was one that really broke me through. And I talk about that in the book. But my testimony is, as you say, pretty raw, pretty gory. And there are people who've said flat out, I would never have told all that personal stuff about myself. Well, you even said that, I think you actually wrote about it in your book, that uh, a preacher told you, don't say, don't write about in your book what you wouldn't say from the pulpit. Yeah. And the no, but but you know what? I, I have a friend. Um, some of the listeners might know Dory Van Stone. She's an older lady that wrote her books, and I, I was raised in an orphanage with sexual abuse. And people wrote in and said, "Well, what really happened, Dory? You didn't tell us enough." Mm. Because if they've been abused, they want to know. Sometimes people have come up to me after I've spoken somewhere, and they're. Tears rolling off their faces saying, I've never told anybody, but what happened to you happened to me. Oh, wow. Now, I agree with that pastor who suggested I not speak in, in the book. I agree to this point. If I'm in a pulpit or a, right. a podium and I'm speaking, I'm going yeah. to soften this just a little. If There might be a child out there. Mm-hmm. There might be a teenager that I'm, I'm just not going to take the liberty to do that. But when you hold my book in your hand... Or if you listen, when we get this recording yeah. done, it's between you and me. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's personal between you and me. Mm-hmm. And I don't know your story, but now that I've told you mine, I can encourage you to never give up on yourself because God won't. Yeah. And he'll provide the ways like giving me Christy Clown as a character to play to earn a living too. Wow. Never mind. I mean, it was not only healing, but it was providing my income. I, it's just your entire book is all about reconciliation and being, and redemption, really. I, I think even with you saying how God has given you Christy Clown or gave you Christy Clown and gave you a living and he redeemed you, you know, with Christy Clown. And then yeah. on top of that, you, you, you mentioned earlier that you're friends with yeah. your ex-husbands and there was reconciliation there. And I just, I just think that, you know, although your book is such a sad story, like you, the things that you've experienced yet, there is so much joy and just like you, you're the Phoenix that's come out of the ashes. You know, um, I think, uh, 
one of the things that I really like about the book and the way the designers helped me come up with was that there's a, a box at the end of each act. Mm -hmm. There are six acts. takes the first 60 years of my life in print. And um, the little box has a little logo, if you want to call it that, right. of, a, of an old-fashioned, like a biblical-looking pot splashing water out of it. I call that the living water. Mm -hmm. That's what... Jesus gave the woman at the well. Mm -hmm. She was thirsting too, the same way that I always did. And I admit to you, I don't like, I didn't enjoy the 12 years of widowhood. I, wa I wanted to be there if that's what God wanted for me. Right. And I, and I cautiously prayed that if, I mean, how do you pray for it? number six. <laughs> How do you pray for a sixth husband? Right. What kind of woman does it? And then I'd say, am I still afflicted with this? It's not about lust. It's it's at this age in your life, you're you're about sharing life. Mm -hmm. And two are better than one for me. Yeah. Now, not every woman feels that way or man. Mm -hmm. But I love these little boxes at the end of every act yeah. because the water is splashing down from the pitcher. And there's always a closing, a closing with that person that I was married to in that act. Mm -hmm. And um, to me, that's the saving grace. Yeah. And then some of the stories about my kids or showbiz stuff, it's fun. So the book isn't totally dark. No, no. <laughs> it's because I did have a lot of fun. Yeah. I got to meet people. I got to sing for the queen. Um, That's amazing. I got a mosquito bite. It was at Fort Edmonton at a reception at dusk, and the mosquitoes were terrible. I got a mosquito bite on the top of my head the size of half an egg. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> while I was singing the way we were for yeah. the queen. <laughs> And so there's lots of little stories yeah. like that that are fun. And the, and like the, the the best joke in the book, my son gave me. He was trying to live with me and number four husband and my baby daughter from that marriage. And he came to the bedroom one night. My husband at the time was a bass player, and he was out on a gig. And my son sat on the bed and said, you know, Mom, in American history, they teach you about your forefathers. I thought they meant my forefathers. <laughs> and everybody cracks up when I tell that joke. I, yeah. But... I see the mom's faces fade. They get it. Right. What that yeah. kid, but 15 years old, he was already on the fourth stepdad. Mm -hmm. Well, his own dad and then three stepdads yeah. by the time he was 15. So if there's anything that really makes me cry, fresh tears, is when I get to the parts about how this impacted my two kids. Mm -hmm. They're now 43 and 59. They both live in Alexandria, Minnesota. So my daughter exited Canada recently and went down to live where my son is. And I, she didn't have kids. So yeah. I think the, the sense of needing family was real important to her and her husband. Mm. So, and he's in the oil and gas industry and things as we know in Alberta have just gone South. Mm -hmm. So he went South. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> They're both dual citizens, so they can do that. So um, life goes on and my kids have been survivors too, not without great difficulty, my daughter was a lifelong asthmatic. Uh, mm -hmm. She still has to have some treatment for asthma. Um, her health was affected, yeah. uh, plus the fact that I sang in smoky p pubs and lounges right up to two weeks before she was born. See, these are the, th the things that I tell young people. We don't know how impacting our choices today will show up in our lives on down the road, yeah. decades later. So if I could be a warning, my favorite psalm right now, well, of course, I talk about Psalm 40 in the book as a theme. Uh, psalm 71, uh, I haven't memorized it quite yet, but it 
it talks about giving me time, Lord, to speak to this generation and their children. Mm -hmm. That's you, Heidi. Yeah. <laughs> and your little guy. Mm -hmm. You know, if I can speak to the to the young people that are that now need to come away from some of the decisions they've made too that mm -hmm. aren't so different than the ones I made. Yeah. Then yeah. this is worthwhile. It, and I told the Lord, if one other person's life would be changed by this book, it would be worth all the struggle to write it. Well, of course, <laughs> changed my husband now. He, we wouldn't be married if he hadn't read the book. Yeah, totally. And who else can I have a tiny impact on? Me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Heidi. This, I was just, I mean, originally I... I might have said this in in the last podcast that we recorded that hasn't been released quite yet, um, but that originally I read it because you had commented on something. I had that's right. I had posted on Facebook about starting a podcast with Laura and Danielle and how I who who am I to start a podcast about God and about you know the lessons he's teaching me and who's going to want to listen to me because I've I've screwed up so bad so many times. And then you commented about your book and about how you have used the the life that you've lived to really glorify God and, and you know, that it shouldn't be something that stops you. I can't remember exactly. It was something along those lines. And so originally I read the book, you know, I was intrigued, but a lot of it was just out of support being like, okay, I know this person who's read a book. I'm going to read her book. But then I couldn't stop reading it and I couldn't stop highlighting it I couldn't stop putting sticky notes and I couldn't I, I re, it resounded with me and I related to what you wrote on such a deep level it went from being just a su support for you to being that you were supporting me in sharing <laughs> your your story oh and, that's what I hoped would happen oh that people who also messed up mm -hmm. would see the transparency and you know, I mean, I've confessed the messes and yeah. uh, and then I call it celebrating successes. But those successes are due to God's coming into my life and rescuing me. Mm -hmm. That's where Psalm 40 comes in. Pick me up out of the pit of despair. I always paraphrase. He set my feet on a firm rock and he put a new a new song in my mouth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's the new song I'm singing. Well, I <laughs> love your book and I'm so excited that we're recording the audiobook. Um, I think we will wrap up this interview today, but I would love to interview you more later. Wow, Heidi, thank you so much for all your support. It's it's like you're my new angel <laughs> in my life, <laughs> truly. Well, I'm glad that I get to be a part of your, your continuing story. We're on the journey together. We are, yeah. yes. <laughs>